All right, good morning. Everybody hopefully is well rested. I know I am excited to be here. Appreciate you coming. Again, I know you don't have to be here, but I sure am grateful that you decided to join us this morning. Would you all please take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to take out your phone, find a download a Bible app, or just jump online and uh, find somewhere in the Bible, some place to look at the Bible. We're using the King James Version, and uh, we are in John chapter 20. We want you to follow along. We preach from the Bible here, and we want you to see the Word of God in front of you. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Father, it is our great privilege to be here this morning and to open your word. Father, without your word, we have no instruction. We have no truth. Your word is truth. And so, Father, we look at it this morning trying to understand what it is that you have us for us today. Father, as we study your word this morning, would you please help it to not only just give us new information about who you are, but, Father, would it please help us to change our lives, convict us, help us to move forward in the right direction. Father, help us to reach out to those people who are around us, and I pray your will be done. We love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Father, if there's one person here today that does not know you as personal Savior, I pray that today would be that day from your word. They would know that they have a Savior. Father, we pray that your will would be accomplished today. We love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I always like to start my sermons with a question, and so I need you to be honest this morning. Not that you would lie in church. Now, I'm not assuming that, okay? You ought not to lie in church, so let's be honest this morning. I want to ask you an extremely serious question. Extremely serious, and I'm trying to do it without a smile on my face because I don't look very serious right now, do I? This is, it is a question that undoubtedly will probably change how people look at you for the rest of your life, okay? There's a really old saying that says, ladies first. Okay, so ladies, I'm going to ask you first. Here we go. Are you ready? Ladies, please be honest. How many of you have ever cried before? Would you just raise your hand? Okay, men, look around. Keep your hands up, ladies. How many of you have ever cried before, right? Look around. Just about every single lady has their hand up. All right, you can put your hands down. Now, here's really where it turns ugly. Men, raise your hand and be honest. How many of you have ever cried before? Yes. We have some honest men. Ladies, look around. Look around. Keep your hands up, guys. This is good. Okay? How many men, okay, you're, you've done good. Be honest. How many of you men have cried in front of another person before? Oh, isn't that so much worse? Is that not terrible, right? I don't mind crying by myself alone in my room like, oh, I'm going through a rough time. But if I have to cry in front of my wife or the church, like, come on, that stinks. It's so much worse to cry in front of people. Now, I'm picking on the men this morning, so let's just continue the theme. Here we go. <laughs> I was right. Like, now I'm going to look at you all differently from now on, okay? Help me out. How many of you, when a female in your life is crying, how many of you, your first question is, why are you crying? Anybody? <sighs> dumb question, by the way, guys. Like, <laughs> dumb question. From experience, dumb question. But that honestly is my first initial reaction. Why are you crying? Or what did I do now? 
typically the way it rolls. Men always wants to know why someone is crying. Why? Why do we want to know that? Because we want to fix it, right? If my wife or my daughter is crying, my first question is, why are you crying? Why? Because I want to fix the problem. And women are like, we don't want you to fix it. We just want you to listen. Right? Ladies, you can say amen there, okay? Go ahead. Ay, ay, ay. Men are always in the fix-it mode. But sometimes, sometimes, very, very rarely, depending on who you are as a man, there is sometimes nothing that we can do to fix it. Some ladies just need to have a good cry. I don't understand it, but sometimes that's happened. So I bring all that up as kind of a joke, but it leads us in to our message. Jesus is the same way. Listen, Jesus comes into this picture, and Jesus, here's the good news, Jesus has a way of wiping every tear from our eye. Jesus has a way of comforting us. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus left this earth, he would send another comforter. Then it talks about in 1 Corinthians, the God of all comfort. Jesus has a way in which to comfort and to wipe our tears away. Jesus has a way of holding the broken. He has a way of holding those who are going through a hard time. He has a way of comforting the hurting. Once again, though, it is extremely common with Jesus that he does things not even close to the way that we think he ought to, right? If, if you're hurting, you're going through a difficult time, you have in your mind how you want God to fix the problem. If, if you're broken, you have an idea in your mind of how you want God to fix the problem, but the reality is God hardly ever does things the way that we think he needs to do them. For instance, in order to save the entire world, what did he do? He didn't come as the conquering king. How did he come? He came as a servant. And he died. He doesn't do things the way that we think he should. And by the way, the Jews thought he was coming to bring in his kingdom. Yes, he's finally going to deliver us from all of these bad Romans and the people who are conquering us. And he's going to be the conquering king. He wasn't. He came and instead of saving the whole world as a conquering king, he saved the whole world by, by dying. Jesus doesn't do things the way that we think he should. Jesus was hung on a cross. He didn't even die an honorable death. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being hung on that cross. We talked about him being beaten with a cat of nine tails. He had a crown of thorns beaten onto his head. He was stripped naked. He had his beard ripped out of his face. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was jeered. He was placed on a cross between two thieves. While on the cross, he has a conversation with the two thieves. One of them trusted Jesus to take him to heaven when he died, and that day he was with Jesus in paradise. Jesus also looked out at the crowd. Amidst all the mocking and all the jeering, and he looks out and he sees his mother, Mary. And he says, woman, behold thy son. And he says to John the apostle, behold thy mother, In all the things that were going on, he looks out and he sees Mary in her need. You see, Jesus would have every sin of the entire world placed on him at that moment. 
So if you're sitting here this morning or if you're listening online, listen, Jesus died for your sin. Jesus had your sin placed upon him. It was there at the cross that our sin was placed upon him. In that moment, when that sin was placed upon him, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because in that moment, his father God turned his back on his son. Because God cannot have sin in his presence because the sin of your sin, the sin of the entire world was placed on Jesus at that time. God could no longer look at it. And he turned his back crying, Jesus crying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then shortly after that, Jesus cries out, it is finished. It is finished. What's finished? The work that he came to do. The work that he came to do is to die on the cross and have all of the sins of the entire world placed upon him. And he would take all of those sins and he would pay for them. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. He paid for your sins. And it was now finished. The payment has been made. All that was left to do was now the conquering. And Jesus was taken off the cross by a man named Joseph of Arimathea, taken to Joseph's tomb, placed inside of that tomb, and a stone rolled in front of that tomb, and then guards were set, and they sealed that stone so that Jesus would not get out and so that nobody would come take him out. Now we need to fast forward three days. Just three days, not a long time, just three days forward, and we'll pick up the story here in John chapter 20. In verse 1, the first day of the week cometh, notice this name, Mary Magdalene, early, when it was yet dark. Okay, so if it was time change Sunday for her, it would have been really early in the morning. And she seeth the stone, oh, excuse me, unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Notice what she does, verse 2. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Verse 3, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. I like that description. John the Apostle is writing. John the Apostle is the other one who's running. He says, hey, by the way, I'm faster than Peter as well. So they ran both, and and in verse 5, and he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying. Yet went he not in, then come Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not that the scripture, knew not the scripture, excuse me, that he must rise again from the dead. Verse 10. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. Okay, so can you, can you picture the scene? When you're reading the Bible, use your imagination, okay? It's okay. Mary's going. She wants to see the grave. And another passage in the Bible tells us that women came to anoint the body of Jesus and put spices on it and different things. And she gets there, and the stone's been rolled away, and Jesus is not there. What would you do? I got to go tell somebody. So she takes off running, goes back to the disciples, Peter and John, and says, he's not here, and we don't know where he is. 
They've taken him. Peter runs out, and John runs after him, and they get there, and they're like, he's gone. And not knowing what to do, not knowing where to look, what do they do? In verse 10, then the disciples went away again unto their home. Let's just go home. Look at verse 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping. Here's the crying aspect. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And seeth two angels in white, sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Notice verse 13. And they say unto him, her woman, watch this, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord. And I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. And knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. I want you just to stop there. Two times in this story... A woman is weeping, and two times in this story, she's asked, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Why are you crying? I want you to, first of all, notice that it didn't even seem to phase Mary Magdalene. It didn't even seem to phase her that she was talking to two angels. Oh, hey, why are you crying? Oh, I can't find this person who I'm, I'm looking for. I can't find them. I can't find them. I can't find them. It didn't even phase her. Wouldn't you like drop dead if two angels were talking to you? She doesn't. But I want you to notice that because I think it's so, so important. There was one thing that was pressing on her mind. There was one thing that she was focused on. There was one thing that she could not get out of her mind. And that was simply this, finding Jesus. She wanted to find Jesus. That's all she wanted. There was one thing pressing on her mind, and she wanted to find him. Look at verse 13. And they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She saith to them, watch this, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Why are you crying? Here's the problem. I have a problem, and the problem is they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where he is. Crying. She says the same thing in verse 15, or similar. She, supposing him to be the begarden, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Just tell me where he is. I just need to know where he is. She was weeping, trying to find Jesus. Let me just stop here and point out something. There are people in this world today who are crying because they need Jesus. Let me say it one more time. There are people in this world today, maybe sitting in this room today, that are crying, they are weeping. Why? Because they need Jesus. Oh, they may not even know what they need yet. They may not even know where they're going with him. They may not know a lot of things, but in their hearts, in their souls, in their minds, they are hurting. They are in a great deal of pain. Why? Because simply at the end of the story, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. Mary Magdalene was no perfect saint. 
This is what I love about the Bible is the Bible doesn't say, oh, only perfect people can need Jesus. In, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 9, the Bible tells us that Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. She was filled with demons. She was not a perfect saint. She was not in church every Sunday. She didn't read her Bible every day. She was filled with seven demons. And guess what, folks? Jesus cast those seven demons out of her. She no longer was enslaved to those demons. She had been liberated because of Jesus Christ. She was weeping because she needed Jesus. She needed Jesus. Jesus, there may be some people that sit here listening to this today and you are being tormented. Maybe with a demon, a real one. Or maybe it's something that's happened to you in the past. Or maybe it's something that you have to look forward to tomorrow or in the future. I don't know what it may be, but you're being tormented. You're being torn apart. Listen, can I just encourage you, cry out to him today. And don't, don't just cry, tell him why you're crying. This is why I'm crying. Jesus, I need you. D.L. Moody said this, you can see it on your screen. If there is a cry coming up from a heart broken on account of sin, God will hear that cry. If there is a, a cry coming up from a heart broken on account of sin, God will hear that cry. Listen, Jesus will hear your cry today. If you're crying, if you're being tormented, cry out to him. He will hear your cry. And in this story, Jesus heard the cry of Mary Magdalene that day. He heard it. And he comes and he says, listen, I'm going to take care of your cry. You see, again, Jesus doesn't just take care of the cry the way that we think he should. Again, Mary Magdalene is looking for Jesus, right? Wanting him, wanting to be with him, needs her savior. She was desperately looking for Jesus. This is the amazing part. She was desperately looking for him. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, the Bible says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Let me, let me get you this, okay? When you search for God with all your heart, when you're looking for him, the Bible says in Jeremiah that you will find him. You will. That is a promise. You can take that to the bank. Search for him. Cry out to him. Call upon him. You will find him. Mary was desperate to find Jesus. Psalm 42 and verse 1, the Bible says this, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? She just had to have him. She was trying. She had to go after him. She was working hard, looking for him, crying, weeping. She needed Jesus. Look at verse 16 with me of John chapter 20. Jesus saith unto her, watch this, Mary. She's supposing that he was the gardener, right? Where have you laid him? Just tell me where you, and, and I'll take him. And he, all he simply says is, Mary. Mary. And look at the rest of the verse. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni. Which is to say, Master, can you feel the thickness of the love here? Man. 
she so desperately wanted here. But by the way, just notice, Jesus calls her by name. Don't miss that. He called her by name. Jesus knows your name. Again, you may be tormenting, you may be desperately looking for Jesus, and he already knows your name. John chapter 10 and verse 3, the Bible says, To him the porter openeth, notice this, and the sheep hear his voice. And what? He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. Mary knew his voice. Mary. Master, this is just such a beautiful picture. Jesus knows your name. He sees where you are, and guess what? He wants to lead you. He wants to change your life. He wants to bring you to an expected end. And obviously, Mary here in this story is ecstatic. Master, she runs over to embrace him. And Jesus, uh, for all kinds of theological reasons, we won't get into them today, but says, don't touch me. Don't touch me, for I have not ascended to my Father. Now, I want you just to picture this, okay? Mary so desperately wants Jesus, she needs him. What's the natural reaction when he shows up? Run, grab a hold of him, and embrace him, and guess what? Never let him go. Okay? I want you to think about this. I go away sometimes for a week to go hunting or fishing, right? Like, a good man does. If you don't do that, come talk to me. We'll help you out. When I come home, my wife actually loves me, I think, for the most part. What she does is we'll embrace when I get home, and she'll say, don't ever leave me again. She misses me. That's natural. That's a natural act. Tell me you're never going to leave me again. But Jesus stops her. He solves her problem in a way that she does not think it needs to be solved. He says, don't touch me. Don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. You can notice it in verse 17. Jesus said unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but, but, he says, I have something for you. I have something for you for you to do. Again, Mary loved Jesus. She was looking for him. She was weeping for him. She could not find him. She desperately loved him. And guess what? Jesus loved Mary. Cared about her pain. Called her by name. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. There's a mutual love going on here this morning. Do you love him today? Do you love Jesus today? Do you love God? Do you search for him? Do you need him in every part of your life, for every part of your life? Ask you a very pointed question. Do you long for Jesus? Do you long for him? Do you want him? Do you see him? Do you want him to be a part of every part of your life? Do you love him enough? To serve him. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, the Bible says this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only, not, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, what does it say? Serve one another. We've often said here, you can serve without loving, but you cannot love without serving. Impossible. 
So I want you to notice this. Jesus says in verse 17, but. Don't touch me for I have not yet ascended to my, to my father. But, look what he says in verse 17. Go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Why don't you just stop there and think about this. Jesus is going to answer her question and her problem in, in much greater extravagant ways than she could ever imagine. He says, listen, don't touch me. I know you want me here physically, but I have a job for you to do. He says, go tell my brethren, go tell the disciples that I'm no longer going to be here. I already talked to them about this just a few days ago in, in John chapter 14 and John chapter 15. I have to go away. I have to go away. But there's going to send another comforter. There's going to be a, a different way that I'm going to work with you. There's, there's going to be the Holy Spirit of God coming in. He's like, listen, Mary, I've got another way. I have something for you to do. You need to go and you need to tell the disciples that I am ascending. But notice verse 17. He says, I ascend unto my father and what? Your father. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, listen, this is not about a physical Jesus. By the way, all of us think, every single one of us think, if Jesus was here today, I would serve him. Don't we? But this is not the way Jesus answers our question. Jesus says, I have a father and he's your father. Look what else he says. And to my God and your God. You see, this is not about a physical Jesus staying here on earth and walking with us and talking with us. Listen, we have an almighty God in heaven who walks with us, talks with every single one of us all day, every day, with us all the, all the time. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says when you accept him as your personal savior, what happens is he comes and he takes up residence in your life, stays with you. So... When you're thinking about the past hurt that you've gone through, he's there to comfort that. He's there for you. Listen, Jesus had a much better way to do this. And he says, go tell everybody about it. Go tell everybody about it. Go tell them, I am going to ascend. And Mary does just that. Look, verse 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen and that he had spoken these things unto her. I love this. Mary was the first person in the world to tell other people about a resurrected Christ. Mary was the first person in the world to ever tell somebody about a resurrected Christ. Can you imagine what kind of vigor and zeal she must have had? I didn't know Mary personally. <laughs> But I can just imagine that she left Jesus running. She left Jesus running as fast as she could with the biggest smile on her face that she has ever had, saying in her mind, I've just seen Jesus. I've just seen Jesus. And all of a sudden it starts coming out of her mouth, I've just seen Jesus. And she shouts, Woo! I've just seen Jesus as she's running to see the disciples. And then she gets there and she says, I've just seen Jesus. I've just seen Jesus. I've just seen Jesus. She tells the disciples, and he, she tells them what he told her to tell them. 
Peter, John, Jesus is alive. I've just seen him. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. I've just seen our precious Lord alive. She would have been so excited. She literally, at this time in the world, she literally had the greatest news in the world. Jesus is alive. And what did she do? She wanted to share it. I've said all of this to bring this to a conclusion. Bible Baptist Church, the people who sit here today, people who listen to this message online, literally, we have the greatest news in the world. We literally have the greatest news in the world. Jesus, our Savior, who died for our sins, who changed us, who passed us from death unto life. He is alive. He's alive. And he can do the same for anyone else. He can do the same for Mary Magdalene. He can do the same for Peter. He can do the same for John. He can do the same for your neighbor, your coworker. He can do the same thing. He can heal the hurting heart. So let me ask you this question. If you are Mary Magdalene and you've personally seen your precious Lord, Alive, in that you've accepted him as your personal savior, you know that he's real. Who have you told about that? Who have you told about that lately? Recently? Like in the last month? Again, do you see the zeal, the vigor of, of Mary running and chasing and being like, this is the most exciting news I've ever seen? Have you ever been there? Most exciting news I've ever seen. This is so wonderful. This is so powerful. This is so amazing. Most of us have, but then what happens? After a little while, it's just like, yeah, not so much zealous anymore. Not so much vigorous anymore. It's old news. Nobody wants to hear it. Read a story of a little girl that saw a sign in a church. That said, Psalm 69.9. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Saw that sign and she began to cry. One of the older men of the church come walking by. Sees her crying and says, what's wrong? Why are you crying? She says, I'm scared of the zeal. The zeal of the Lord hath eaten me. Are you following? I'm scared of the zeal. And this was his answer. Don't worry, little girl. There is no zeal in this place. Bible Baptist Church, let me ask you. Is there zeal in this place? We have the greatest news in the world. And there are, I'm sure there are people that you have contact with that you may not know it, but they're crying out for Jesus. They may have even at one point ran into his tomb to see if he was there or not. And they just didn't know what to think. They didn't know if the scripture was true or not. But they need somebody to come and tell them. I'm afraid that for many of us, this zeal may be gone. 
we may ask the question, well, why is that? This story showed love. Why, Why was she so zealous? Why? Because she loved Jesus. She needed him. Again, that's why I ask you the question, do you love Jesus? Not only did she love him because of that love, guess what she did? She searched for him. She longed to be with him. She searched desperately for him. Let me ask you this question. Are you searching for Christ every day? Every moment of every day. In everything. Every day. Most of us, if we're good Christians, what do we do? We read our Bible and we pray. Duh. Like, everybody knows that. Of course I search for Christ. Listen, I believe this with all my heart. You can read your Bible and pray and not search for Christ. Are you desperately looking for him? Do you long for him? Do you want to find him? Listen, and when you do find him every single day and you're excited about seeing him every single day and every moment of every single day, guess what's going to naturally happen? Guess who I saw today? This is what I read today about my Savior. Hey, have you ever thought about this? And the zeal rises back up. You get excited about him again. Listen, let me ask you, are you excited about Christ? Have you told somebody about him? If you haven't, perhaps it's because something longing in our heart, we've maybe left our first love. We've gone after something else. This was not the case with Mary. She loved him. She searched for him. And when he had a job for her to do, I'm going to tell you what, she did it with all kinds of zeal. By the way, it wasn't Mary's job to convince them that Jesus had risen. Do you notice this? Look at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, look at this, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them. Midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you. Listen, don't miss this. It wasn't Mary's job to convince them. That's God's job. Our job is just to tell them. Our job is just to say, hey, I have an awesome Savior. He's alive. And at some point, God's going to do the work. Some plant, some water. But God gives the increase. Can I encourage you with this thought today? It's on your screen. I challenge you to write it down. Seek Christ passionately and share the hope that he's alive. Seek Christ passionately and share the hope that he's alive. That's our vision statement for Bible Baptist Church. Seeking Christ and sharing hope. Seeking Christ and sharing hope. Do we need Jesus? Do we desperately search for him until we found him? Do we zealously tell other people about him? Will we find those people who are weeping without Jesus? Will we tell them the good news? And if you're sitting here today and you don't know him, we would love to introduce him to you. We would love for him to wipe every tear away, to be that comfort to be that help in your time of crisis. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all you do for us. Thank you for your word and the lessons that it teaches. 
Father, as we look inward to our lives, would we all please be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, have I lost my love for Christ? Have I told anyone about him lately? Have I accomplished what he's asked me to do? Father, if we answer those in the negative, Father, I pray you would convict our hearts. Help us to spend more time with you so that we can learn to love, learn to share, learn to help as you would have. Father, as we do those things, I pray that your will will be accomplished. Not just today, in every single day, in every single life that's present here. Father, you would be honored and glorified through it. We'll give you the praise for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.